On today's episode of the Hornady Podcast, Preston and I are joined by Christy Titus from Pursue the Wild. We start the podcast talking about where she grew up and how she got into the outdoor sports. We talk about her Pursue the Wild brand, along with some shooting competitions that help her become a better hunter. We finish up talking about reloading. She's a new reloader. She came here to the factory to get some expert instruction. We talk about some key tips and tricks for the novice reloader. She came here to learn a lot. We learned a lot from her, and we hope you do too. I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hornady Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Seth Swerzik. Joined today to my left, Preston Lentford, fellow marketeer. Hi, Preston. folks. How are you doing today? I hope everybody's doing well. We are joined in the studio by none other than Christy Titus, hunter, conservationist, shooter, competitive shooter, uh, a force in the industry. Christy, thanks for taking time to sit down with us. Oh my gosh, it's been great being here for the second time. And every time I come here, I'm always welcomed with incredible hospitality. So I really appreciate how wonderful and gracious you guys are with your time. And um, wow, you're growing so fast. It's yep. unbelievable. You know, all of this demand on ammunition really has you guys cranking out buildings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're it's in, unreal. It's been it's been fun to see not just from the last three to five years, but the last five to ten years. Yeah. How dramatically, you know, we've we've increased not just our production volume, but also our, our quality. I think that's something I've really been impressed with is uh you know, I'm a user, I'm a consumer. I shoot, I hunt, uh, shoot competitively, you know, used to shoot a bunch and now I shoot quite a bit, just not as much. And what I've really been impressed with is we've done a lot of things to increase our production quantity and shipping volume. But at the same time, we found processes that could be better controlled to keep, and in a lot of instances, increase the quality despite the increase of production. So that's been neat to, normally it's a dichotomy. Normally, Production's up, quality's going to have to suffer a little bit, but yeah, we've really found some uh, ways around it. Yeah, that's right, and, and it's been a, a blast. You do mention expansion, and yeah, we are growing. Obviously, right now, the demand is as high as it's ever been. You would say almost a, a buyer's surplus, a, mm -hmm. a surplus of buying. Not necessarily a, you know, everybody in the market is making as much ammo as they ever have before. Record numbers, but people still need ammo I'd, I'd call it a buying surplus yeah it's not so much an ammo shortage as it is a buying surplus because yeah as a country we've never made more ammo than we do right now yeah you guys are running around the clock you have two buildings now working on a third yeah it's very impressive and you know what is also really impressive is um the support that you're lending to your community and i think that that goes a long ways for the tradition of hornady and what you guys have done in the Grand Island, Nebraska area uh, really is you're supporting a community, you're supporting the culture, and uh, that's really important right now. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. Especially that's in rural areas. I mean, this is an ag town, ag 100%. area. That's and it. You guys give another resource for employment and, and people to have uh, opportunities that they might not other otherwise have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Hornadies have always been great to their employees and to the city. Yep. Awesome. Well, Christy, before you had a TV show and all the big social media stuff, you were growing up somewhere so where did where were you born what got you into the outdoor sports type of uh, lifestyle 
Oh, that, you know, I've been in the outdoors my whole life. Um, I was raised, my, my parents had mules and my dad would always, you know, pack into the back country. Him and his buddies would go hunting and I grew up on the back of a mule, you know, never went to Disneyland. Um, we, we were always just camping, fishing, you know, in the outdoors. And really the only thing I wanted to do when I was little is ride a mule and go camping. I mean, I loved it. And, um, my dad started taking me hunting when I was little. And it was interesting because my sister and I were raised identical, you know, obviously in the same household. She would want to stay behind with my grandparents. And I was like, don't you dare leave me. <laughs> <laughs> I am going camping and I'm going in the woods. And I've always loved shooting. And um, just went from there. Really, I, I in my early 20s, I started working with a conservation groups. Um, Safari Club International predominantly is where I kind of started stuffing envelopes and really what spearheaded me um getting involved with conservation is I had a lot of things I wanted to learn that I didn't already know and so I as a volunteer for SEI I started organizing like outreach so map and compass classes survival classes GPS classes and pistol classes and I would organize all these events where I thought if I want to learn something other people do and it just kind of grew from there I ended up working with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation for a long time co-hosted their television show um but it it you know I I got obsessed with elk hunting um in my 20s when I was 13 my dad took me on my first elk hunt but it just kind of in my 20s hunting just kind of overtook my entire life and um with I had a friend who told me one day he's like hey Christy you're great at this horse packing and you know this mule thing and but you really suck at backpacking and you also suck at shooting and (laughs) I was like well thanks um so I I reached out and I was really supported by Magpul um they were awesome I had some great instructors there and I trained with them for a number of years and um that really taught me a lot about not only just being a hunter, but, you know, taking a different level of ethics into the field with me and a different set of uh, confident skills. And so I ended up just doing that. And it's just kind of snowballed. (laughs) Uh, I could go in for an hour about it. But I mean, that's basically, you know, um, kind of the nuts and bolts of, you know, my, my heart and roots are with conservation for sure. Always important. And you say you're, you're growing up backpacking or excuse me, mule packing yeah. into the backcountry. What state are you hunting in and where where were you uh, raised? So I was raised in Oregon and um, we actually, my husband and I and my parents are just now relocating to Wyoming. Um, so we have some more opportunities to be in more wild places more often. So um, Oregon used to be a lot less population dense and it's gotten a little, mm. little busy there and, and it feels like the mountain ranges have gotten smaller. So we're moving on to a you know, we like the size of Wyoming with, you know, less than half a million people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. So yeah. we're pretty stoked to, I'm hoping to stretch the legs on, on our animals more this fall and make them pack some elk out of some rough spots is the goal. Heck so yeah. we'll see. That sounds like a pretty, pretty good goal. So that's, that's cool that it was really rooted in conservation yeah. uh, because that's something that is, you know, so widely important with like you mentioned Oregon becoming so much more populated in all these states where people are kind of evacuating from other urban areas and, and putting more people where there was once less people, mm-hmm. um, you know, conservation is going to become increasingly more important. So just trying to get that message out there and get that habitat preserved, uh, such a critical point, uh, and purpose as a hunter that we need to be giving back. 
And that's awesome that that's where it all started for you. Well, I mean, coming from the ammunition standpoint, you guys are part of those Pittman-Robertson dollars and that PR act. And um, whether you hunt or you're into shooting sports, you're you every time you buy a firearm or ammo, you're fueling the conservation uh, yeah, across I, the country. I don't think a lot of people necessarily know that no. either. So every time you buy a box of ammunition, dollars of that are going to conservation, that's right. whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. which is absolutely fantastic. Yep. Got to take care of it. So you're doing some training with Magpul, and that's one thing that, that, you know, when you look at people in the industry on the TV show side and the influencer side and the social media, sometimes they they have a really big presence and they do good things, but they don't necessarily really understand the nuts and bolts and the why of a rifle or how to shoot or how to mount a scope on a rifle and how to independently take care of all their stuff. And that's one thing that's uh, really great with you is you give you a rifle, a scope, a set of rings and a box of ammo, and you can assemble a rifle, put it together, shoot it, get it verified out at range and then take it hunting. Yeah. And uh, that type of comprehension is so important when you're you know, maybe taking a non-traditional distance type shot. Well, one uh, of your pro staffers is who taught me, Kaylin Wojcik, um, oh yeah. is who taught me almost everything that I f- initially learned about precision shooting. Um, because Dwayne Liptak um, from Magpul, I contacted him and was like, hey, I'm doing this video blog and I really need to learn how to shoot. And I showed up to <laughs> shoot a class with Kaylin. This is so bad. I brought a 300 win mag. Yeah. Because I really thought I needed... And it was a hunting rifle. So imagine I dumped a hundred rounds out of a 300 wind mag hunting rifle one day. And in Yakima, Washington in the summer, it was like 110 degrees. And I remember I was driving back to my hotel and my muzzle brake, the concussion from my muzzle brake and the heat and just the recoil, I thought I was going to die. Like I was, it was, it thumped me and big learning curve. I mean, that first class I did with them was such a gear shakedown. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And I'm still learning. Like I, I will forever be a student. I mean, I'm here learning this week. We'll talk about that later. I'm going to shoot my first three gun match tomorrow well, actually two guns when I'm gonna shoot but again I've never done it before so I think we, as a student of the gun or you know when you're interested in hunting and shooting sports it's you never stop learning you always have that hunger for that next step and you know like we've been talking about the basics of things but then as you learn those basics then you start rabbit holing information and, and the more the simple things seem like on the surface, as you start to deep down, you realize how root, deep those roots go and, and it gets crazy. But um, I, you know, I just, I spent five years going out to Magpul up to Yakima two or three times a year and, and just learning. And, and, um, you know, I do now compete in like NRL um, hunter or some PRS matches. I'm not what I would say like, Ooh, you know, (laughs) supreme competitive shooter, but it makes me better at what I do. Um, And so every time I go to a match, whether I've practiced or not for it, I step out there and I, and I do my best and it makes me a better hunter in the fall. And so if for nothing more, it's just to keep me to a certain level. And then also to challenge my skill set, which I think is really important that we don't get complacent. Yep. Well, and for the listeners out there not familiar with Kalen Wojcik, he knows a thing or two about a thing or two yeah. uh, in regard to shooting. So uh, Kalen Wojcik and Phil Vallejo, uh, modern-day sniper and modern-day yeah. rifleman, check them out. I'm happy to support those guys. They teach a lot of great stuff. But uh, I think what you mentioned now uh, towards the end of that was competing and how that increases 
your proficiency as a hunter. Yeah. Um, that's something that we've been talking about for years is if nothing else, if, if us doing competitive shooting has done nothing else, it has made me more proficient in the field. And uh, yeah. the NRL 100%. hunter has to be, I mean, that's that's the purpose really. I mean, and that's the NRL fantastic. hunter is so much harder <laughs> than yeah. PRS. Like, I'm so glad I started shooting PRS and didn't just jump headfirst into NRL Hunter because, in my opinion, it's a much harder competition because it's a competition truly of one. It you really know, is. Yeah, it, it's so much harder. And then than PRS, where you walk up to a stage, you know the targets, you know the ranges, you can watch all your buddies on your squad, see how they build their shooting positions, see how they manage their gear, watch their match flow, and then you can replicate that or not <laughs> in some cases. When you walk into a stage at NRL Hunter, you go in completely blind. You don't know where targets are. You don't have distances. You have to build your own shooting position. It's really a match of one. Like you have no help. It's extremely challenging. Yeah, but it's yeah. just like a hunt. And you've yet to do one. Yet. I've yet to do I've one. Done, I've done. I've done three similar. I enjoy the crap out oh, of. Oh, they're them. super yeah. fun. almost almost more than PRS. I almost think it's easier. the The ranges are less than a typical PRS match. I will say that uh, it is a race against the clock. That's for sure. But uh, initially, the very first match, I had a lot of trouble finding targets. Yeah. At that point on, you kind of know what to expect almost a little bit and i found them a lot easier i i just enjoy the crap out of it yeah because there are sometimes you'll get to a prs match or an old nrl race gun match and everybody comes off the line what was your win what do you hold yes exactly it's like, well and it's a trigger on. pulling contest yeah where the nrl hunter or some of the field style matches like the endurance type matches that i've done where it's it's not just trigger pulling it's yeah target ranging target target identification managing your dope like you know, some people aren't very good at, okay, I found the target. I know the range of the target. Well, now I have to get, retrieve the data from whatever means I'm using and then put that on the gun. And, you know, a lot of wheels can fall off in that time frame. And then building the position and deploying the tripod on the clock and stuff like that, that really makes for a, uh, a direct training environment for mm -hmm. you hunting in the field. I, I was really fortunate. Your other one of your other ambassadors, Jake Weber, he um, has helped me kind of at this second level of of prep. Like I learned a lot of the basics from Kaylin, and then you know I started shooting matches, and, and Jake has been awesome, um, letting me squad with him to where I can actually watch. I really think it's if you're learning, it's good to watch people that are good at what they do, because if you watch somebody that's fumbling around, you you're almost training yourself what not to do. Um, so like, there's a lot of people that I really look up to and, and Jake's one of those guys I, I want to watch him shoot and like I was at um the quiet riot match one time and I was watching Jake shoot so attentively when I set up I set up my gun left-handed like I was trying to <laughs> I like he's left-handed and I was so intent on how Jake on that stage and I you know I was really trying to be a good student that I'm like what the heck <laughs> realize in the middle of like setting up my tripod like you dummy he's left-handed you are not mirroring him like this is this is not good <laughs> yeah he, he is an impressive specimen to watch though oh, the second time I watched him he won a, a large NRL match or I don't remember if it was PRS by like 20 yeah yeah and there were some good shooters yeah. there it, yeah. he was that was in his he was in his groove that's for sure but yeah enjoyable to watch yeah I will say uh in that vein of shooting left-handed uh this would have been 2015-16 time frame Preston and I were shooting a bunch there was a lot of stages you'd go to match where you you were forced to shoot support hand support eye and I as it turns out got pretty good at that and so 
just, you know, you might want to practice that. Oh, honestly, yeah. Because I found myself now going to a match and deliberately Shooting. going support side when I don't have to because of the, the barricade or whatever. Um, yeah, just, again, it makes you, a, gives you more tools in your toolbox. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to ask, so you go to your first class with Kaylin up at Magpul with a 300 wind mag mm -hmm. uh fast forward now uh on the well and mind you luckily the next day he let me borrow he, he had a, a, a loaner 308 yeah. and he let me borrow and he's like, like a good trainer should he's like um we want you to survive this yeah. weekend <laughs> so here you go so <laughs> i wanna, saved my life i want to know what you're shooting what you've excuse, i mean that was years ago so now that you've had some more time in the industry and more yeah. time in the field what's your match rifle look like cartridge and setup wise and then what's your go-to hunting rifle and cartridge uh, what do those setups look like so when i when i originally bought my first precision rifle it was chambered in 65 creedmoor and that was coming from kalen i mean kalen's like get 65 get 65 65 works great and um you know it's it's a great round um it does have slightly more recoil characteristics than a six millimeter creedmoor so um i've made the switch now to six millimeter creedmoor um and i'm shooting the ruger precision rifles um i do even with that being said i've put a little bit of weight on the fore end of my rifle for me, the downfall is being small. So I don't manage recoil as well as you're going to manage recoil because, you know, you've got... He's an oak. You've got a lot of size on me. So, you know, when you watch a lot of these guys run their guns, they're, they're shooting and their body position doesn't move. And for me, weight is literally my best friend. So I'm really learning to weight down... Um, my rifle so um and and i'm just buying match ammo from you guys like 108s yeah. and yep. running them and and they're great and i i'm not good enough as a shooter to where i have to worry about reloading um because my firearm optic i'm running the night force 735 and the atac r with the milsey reticle I'm not good enough as a as a shooter to where my firearm optic ammunition combo aren't adequate. Um, I haven't reached that threshold. Now, I think there's a lot of shooters that come to a threshold where they really need to extract that extra hit at every every match so they can get that title. I mean, if you watch some of these top-tier shooters, they're literally winning an entire season by a round, like, a, like an impact or two. I mean, it's yeah, not significant. Wild. It's not like they're beating each other like, oh, I hit, I have 10 extra hits than you, which is nothing. That's a stage. Um, it, it's It's sometimes one impact and so these guys are trying to get standard deviations of three feet a second out of their reloaded ammo where I'm fine with getting a standard deviation of seven to 15 feet a second um, out of my factory ammo which is perfectly adequate for my level of, of marksmanship um, because really the biggest problem with a gun is the guy behind it or gal. It's, it's the nut behind the bolt <laughs> it's the, all the time. It is always. Um, so, I mean, for example, I was out last week um, showing a guy he wanted to, he was going to buy a gun for his wife. I let him try my, my 6.5 PRC. And I was like, just try my 6.5 PRC. She's going to love this. And um, so he's on a prairie dog at 360 yards and he's like missing left. And he's like, I don't know why I'm missing left. And I'm like, do me a favor. I'm like, just bump your level on your rifle can't it's just a little bit off so he bumps it over and he levels up the rifle and next thing you know he hits a prairie dog it's just little things like that that most of the time it's not the system it's how you work the system yep yeah i mean the top tier shooters could win with my stuff i can't 
but yeah. they could. Yeah. Yeah. The, the best shooters are the best shooters. You'll never cartridge or reload yourself into into the win. Into the win. It's it's the one who practices and applies the fundamentals of marksmanship. Yeah. The most consistent on every time that they're they're at a match every time. Yeah. Um, so what's your your hunting rifle look like? So I have been in love with the Ruger American 6.5 Creedmoor, and that's been kind of my go-to. But since the 6.5 PRC, I really have a hard time divorcing myself from that. So I've got the Ruger Hawkeye Long Range Hunter, and I've got that chambered in 6.5 PRC, and I, I I have a really hard time walking away from it right now. Like, it's it's great for deer. It's great for elk. Um, it's great at, like, any normal hunting range. Um, it's it, outstanding characteristics to shoot. It's 60% le- less recoil than a 300 win mag. Throw a suppressor on it. Yeah. It's pretty awesome i mean yep. it's really tough to beat you had us at six five prc but you yeah. threw the suppressor on there yeah that's and the we win-win just, yeah mm. yeah you get the yeah. low recoil you get the yeah. flat trajectory you get plenty of velocity on target to make that bullet work on yeah elk on down um nothing wrong with the six five prc in fact it's 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 a go-to for so many people now we've really seen you know that match blow up or that round blow up when we released it it's plenty of match application you know to to to, to beat the wind, we, you know, we used to joke that it was the wind cheater and we, you know, send people to shoot first in that squad that's shooting the PRC to go cheat the wind a little bit. But as it, as it shakes out now over the last few years, the 6.5 PRC really is a hunting cartridge. Yeah. And we shoot a lot of matches with it. It's, it's great for that. But the, the most demand is for our hunting ammunition. I mean, it is a hunting cartridge, and you can take most things uh, with confidence with it. You know, you get anything bigger than an elk or some elk at range, and, you know, you might want a little more bullet diameter or horsepower. But for the most part, for the bulk of the hunting that goes on in this country, 6.5 PRC is low recoil. It's fast. It's flat. Uh, it's external, fun to shoot. Yeah, external characteristics are phenomenal. I mean, it doesn't doesn't drift in the wind too bad. It's just all in all the wind. And, then yeah, you throw a suppressor on there icing on the cake it's a dream it's a dream so yeah I mean it's a for me it's a if you had to pick one all-around cartridge for me that would be it I mean for everything yeah <laughs> like I mean, everything can. maybe yeah. minus a grizzly bear yeah I mean there's some stuff and Preston and I are in this camp uh and you know we people joke about the 6.5 Creedmoor being the need more because it's you know it's a little bit modest in velocity well if you extend the barrel length on a Creedmoor by say four inches you pick up about 100 foot per second so now you've got a you know pretty high performing cartridge on your hand that would perform on antelope and deer out at some extended range or what you can do instead of a 28 inch barreled 6.5 Creedmoor you could do a 20 inch 6.5 PRC get the same velocity and you got room to put a suppressor on there, and you're way more ergonomic. And it's just, uh, it really allows you to have that extended range performance and flat trajectory, but super ergonomics. It's yeah. short, easy to handle. On one of mine, I went down to 18. 18. I ain't scared. I was getting over 2,700 feet per second out of factory. Yep. Fantastic. Yep, fantastic. And again, I've not had the need more with the Creed more. I don't well, know. I've, I've like, I, hear this, I hear this all the time. Like, oh, 6.5 need more. Ugh. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. I have hunted for years with a Creed more, and I have never shot a big game animal where I were like, mm, that's not enough. I shot a bull elk at 600 yards with a Creed more. No problem. Full pass through. Bullet exited, caught in the off shoulder. Like, I mean, 
I mean, just thumped straight down. Like, I, I mean, you high shoulder shoot something with a 6.5 Creedmoor, and it's going down. Like, yeah. that's just it's shot placement. And I don't know when somebody says it's a need more, I'd be like, well, maybe you need more practice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I there's, mean, there's I don't, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that it's perfect. I'm just saying that yeah, there's a, a lot, lot of, of times it's shot placement. A lot of myths that goes along with that and a lot of shade tree ballisticians, you know, that, oh, I have to have X amount of energy on target for it to do anything or this, that, and the other. And so there's a lot of, yeah, shade tree ballisticians out there that, you know, continue that, that disinformation, if you will, but it does certainly have its limitations. For I mean, sure. It's not magic. It's not a laser beam. It's got its limitations just like anything else, but that 6.5 PRC is just past the click. I mean, it's, it gives you just that last little, little more horsepower. Bit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, to change topics here, Christy, you are here in studio in Grand Island, Nebraska. So let's talk about uh, what you're doing here on the three-gun side first. And then uh, the big topic is reloading, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of uh, where I wanted to go with this podcast. But first and foremost, you're here to shoot a match. So uh, zombies in the heartland, right? Yeah, I'm here to drink out of a fire hose. It's, <laughs> it's going to be really rough. Um, so, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to shoot the match. I'm going to shoot it. Uh, you know, as a two gun, I'm going to shoot the Ruger PC carbine and then I'm going to shoot shotgun. Nice. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm kind of in the same, same dynamic. I found myself, um, years ago when I showed, started shooting with Galen at Magpul with, you know, long range fundamentals. And this is a whole new game, completely new equipment. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I'm here to learn and, you know, just watch everybody who's proficient at shooting this sport, um, do their thing and get as much information as I can so I can go home and figure out what gear I need to acquire. Cause it's, I mean, everything we do, every sport we change, it's a, it's a gear bomb, gear shakedown, yeah. gear acquisition. I mean, what I take hunting is different than what I take to a match for long range or precision shooting. And I think I'm going to find the same thing here. So, um, I'm here for a good time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's what we like to do yeah. is put on a good time yeah. match. I think, yeah, the zombies in the heartland since its first one over a decade ago has always been about bring what you got and run what you brung. It's mm -hmm. yeah. It's just come out here, have a good time and make it a family kind of, of event. And we, you know, obviously it's got some circus stages with, with the zombie theme. So yeah. it'll be a great match to cut your teeth on. That's for sure. I'm not a big multi-gun fan or competitor. I did have to run this match last year though. And it was way more fun than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm doing the, the long range stuff and that's kind of where my passion's been for most of my shooting life. And I kind of poo-pooed three gun for a while. Like, I don't care. I don't, you know. I'm, it's not as applicable to what you're doing yeah, in your off time. Yeah, as, it doesn't yeah. relate to my hunting. That's yeah. for sure. And so uh, I ran the match. Uh, I borrowed my bosses. Shout out to Neil. Uh, borrowed all of his guns and all of his gear. And actually had a great time, and it was it was a blast. I could see why it's addicting too. Uh, and just like anything else, when you're shooting, the same fundamentals of accuracy always apply. Yeah. And as Jerry Mitchellick said, sight alignment, sight picture, trigger control, nothing's more important than trigger control. Uh, breaking the sights when you have good, or breaking the trigger when you have good sight alignment and sight picture. So uh, same fundamentals apply, and it was a blast. You're going to have a ton of fun. And just like anything else, yeah, you're going to have to go to the shop and find some new gear that oh holsters. Everything's gear-driven. It is. Really, it really is. I just love going out there, and I used to do a little bit of three-gun. just love burning down a magazine. Yeah. yeah. Nothing feels better than that. Like, you don't need to shoot all of them. 
you're but here. you but want you might as well. to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to, though. When I mean, you work yeah. at an ammo factory, I guess. Well, that, that does help a little bit. But nothing uh, there's better nothing than that dropping that mag and grabbing that next one and slamming her in there. Yeah. That's, Let's yeah. keep going. Yep. I've got some video footage, I think, maybe on the YouTubes of yeah. you running a three-gun match. Yeah, don't worry about that. Don't okay. look for it. Ah. Awesome. Well, <laughs> Everybody's going to be Googling this <laughs> as soon as we're done. So you're going to have a blast at the match. It's a ton of fun and a great match to to cut your teeth in. Yeah. Very much uh, so. You're here in the studio, though, because you're doing some reloading stuff with none other than Marketeer Preston Lentford. So yeah. what's going on gun? on the reloading side? Well, I'm here to kind of, so I've always bought factory ammo. My dad reloads and has shown me some things over the years, but nothing super in depth. Um, and I think as technology evolves, so does technique. Um, and so that's been, I kind of wanted to take some time and, and learn some new technique with modern day reloading equipment. And, um, I just felt like it was a really important time with so much with what I do with my series is not just the hunting and shooting sports episodes, but I also do the tips from the wild, which is like tips and tactics. And there's a lot of people that are curious about how to reload, what, what they need to get into reloading and, um, really want to start cutting their teeth on that because the, obviously the availability of ammunition has been, you know, limited. And so there's some advantages or potential advantages if you have that extra resource of being able to reload. So I wanted to bring that to the viewers of my channel. Um, but also, you know, from an empowerment standpoint, um, you know, to there's taking a lot of ladies out there and say, Hey, you know what, we can, you can learn and do this too. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, sometimes it's really hard to learn from a spouse or a parent it's better to learn from like kind of that third party which is what I did with my firearms training um and so I came here for help with from you and it's been great yeah we we did you feel like it was kind of fire hosey as well no I didn't think it was bad I mean I have been um obviously I've seen my dad reload sure. I've been listening to a ton of podcasts and a lot of the um, nomenclature that they're using is completely like a foreign language I mean they could have been speaking French and half this stuff I'm like I have no idea what they're talking about right now but then after going through the last you know two days a lot of it's making sense I kind of have that aha moment of having the visual uh, to go with what I was hearing um, and it's equipment you know there's so many things with everything we do that's personal preference whether you're running a hunting trip or you're going to a prs or nrl hunter match or you're reloading a lot of the equipment you're going to buy is tailored to your personal preference and i think reloading is the exact same thing and so you're going to learn a lot of information out there online and you kind of narrowed it down to you know, the things that you really need and you don't always have to have all the things that everybody says you should buy because <laughs> yeah, right. it can get really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And unnecessary and, in a lot yeah. of cases. And that, and that's why we do have kits. The kits are nice. Don't get me wrong. I started with a kit. We all, I think we all did for I the most part. Tech. Did, both yeah. of us, Seth and I hail from tech. That's where we got our start at Hornady. So we both started with a classic kit. Uh, you soon grow to realize that, um, the press is very useful, and 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 the reloading blocks useful, and the and the calipers are useful. But then maybe you want a something else that's a little bit better. An maybe you charge. don't want a powder measure anymore mm -hmm. or hand trickle. You want an auto charge. And that but auto charge really, was pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, like that was real impressive. That's the easy button. <laughs> I yeah. remember watching my dad with like the tipping scales yeah, the when I was a beam. kid, and I mean, he it was like it was so tedious. He'd drop yeah. a kernel in, and another one, and mm -hmm. another one. I was like, oh boy. But I, there's so many things. Like you have to figure out a little bit 
nowadays the internet is just this wide encompassing thing. You can kind of figure out what people like in general, and yeah. maybe you'll like, but you kind of got to start out and do it with what you have and mm-hmm. figure out what you like because so much of it is personal preference. You probably like a different press than I do, you know, or yeah. whatever have yeah. you, but or scale or it, or whatever. It's, and I wish you could just say, look at our catalog and be like, this is what you need. But no, we have several of everything to yeah. fit it, all mm-hmm. kinds of budgets too. Budget is a huge concern as well. Yeah. You know, Auto Charge Pro is nice, but not everybody's going to afford that or want to afford mm-hmm. that, you know. Yeah, it is. It can, everything can get costly. Some of the things that I found really helpful was the bench considerations. We were talking about the nuts and bolts of bench construction, you know, them being robust enough to handle a press but then also the size constraints um so for me having a bench that would be too deep where I couldn't reach the equipment that I'm wanting to if I was sitting then I have to get out of the chair and reach across or or if the bench is too long then if if I chose to sit then I would have to be walking back and forth a lot more like I mean how how much do you want to be moving do you are you limited on mobility um are you super tall so you want a taller bench are you super short like me and you want a little you know shorter narrower bench um so I think a lot of that's really personalized and kind of looking at storage options on how to keep everything kind of at your fingertips that you need but without things becoming so cluttered that you don't have a workspace um so managing that workflow was really helpful and actually getting and doing it and and seeing my workflow progress that was that was really helpful yeah that's something often not talked about i think you get started reloading is is bench flow mm-hmm. from one process to the next process and where you position them and how you move them uh, and what press were you guys working with we use an iron press iron press so the iron press is a single stage press for the listeners not familiar with it it's made out of iron as the name would imply uh, very heavy incredibly robust huge loading windows so you can load these really big cartridges and our other single stage press is called the classic press and I remember taking phone calls of this, and I still get questions today. Somebody that's wanting to get into reloading, and they are looking at a progressive press. And I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I would highly advise, if you're not a reloader today and you want to be tomorrow, buy a single-stage press. And I mentioned that. Of any flavor. Uh, and even if in the next few months you buy a progressive press, you will always have a use for a single-stage press. Yep. You will always be like, oh, I want to I want to tinker with this different primer. And I don't need to set up a progressive press to load 200 rounds. I want to load 10. Uh, and so I think having a single-stage press is important for everybody as a serious loader because you'll find a way to use it. Small batches of stuff or when you're really trying to, you know, make your hunting ammo for the year. Well, you know, you don't need 200 rounds likely, uh, but maybe you want to make 40 or 50 and you can really slow down and be very methodical and intimate with each individual process and the quality of your ammunition will reflect that. And I think that's important. Yeah. And, and oftentimes I'll use a single stage while I'm loading progressively because I'll screw up and I'll forget to do a stage or I missed a primer or something and I'll just walk over to the single stage and finish that particular case and throw it back into the progressive. Mm-hmm. I've done that before. Yeah. Um, but like you say, for hunting ammo, that's what we were doing today. Mm-hmm. So we loaded up some 6.5 PRC, yeah, 143 ELDX. Yep, using her once-fired brass. Nice. So we bumped the shoulder back two thousandths, uh, inserted a large rifle primer, and used Reloader 26. So you stuff. should have the best accurate ammunition fit for your gun possible. So Yeah, so I'm going to go home 
I'm going to swap out rifle scopes. Uh, because I got a 4-32 NX-8 on there, and I want to put a 7-35 ATAC-R on there, just Jeez. because I, this thing is going to be my Cadillac, okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, uh, and I just got a Banish 30 suppressor, so I'm going to roll those Perfect. things on there. And um, I'm going to start out zeroing it with factory ammo. And then what I'm going to do is throw in our hand loads, get my new chronograph. I'm, I'm really curious to compare my muzzle velocity difference, like where where I'm at by adding that suppressor on there. And then also the the, the ammunition ammunition that we reloaded. Right. Like, is, it, is the velocity difference going to be significant? Because that banish, it's either a 7 or 9-inch suppressor. You can take the baffles out and kind of adjust how long you want it. And I'm, I'm going to check the balance point on the rifle, and I'm going to kind of try to match that to where I want to keep the length of the suppressor. And sure. that's, for me, having a well-balanced rifle is really important. I really don't care if it's long. <laughs> like, yeah. Some people are really com- concerned about weight and size, and I'm not too concerned about it. I want my rifle to balance well. Um, so, I, I mean, I shoot a lot of standing tripod um, in the field. Oh, sure. And so having a good balance point. So I'm going to I'm gonna flirt with that a little bit, and then uh, and I'll walk it out. Um, my range now, I've got steel out to 1,400. So um, I'm going to walk it out yeah. and see where, yeah, so get everything trued up, and maybe I'll get to bear hunt with it this spring. I have a tag, so we'll see what happens. But um, if not, then it'll be, it'll be going antelope hunting with me in August. And I di- and the great thing is, we, I I wrote down the load on the box. We have the load on the yeah. box, so if you run out, can, hopefully you can find can, some yeah. Reloader twenty six or to match that exact yeah, load. Yeah, because I have forty three fifty right now. I don't. I can only really. I only have powder to burn yeah, for yeah. six five Creed. So um, which is the magic powder for it, in my opinion. Yeah. For the uh, PRC. No, for and the Creedmoor. Creedmoor. Oh, Creedmoor. Yeah, if it doesn't run on forty three fifty. It, there's a problem with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 100%. So you you mentioned you are, you know, we we support you. You can use factory ammunition. Yeah. So what was the drive to to get into reloading? Um you know, it's it's something that you don't have to do. No. But why do you want to? I want to understand my firearm, the cartridge and capabilities better. Um for me, I don't know enough about guns. I mean, I should always keep learning, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's never um, a diminishing return on education. <laughs> it's it's always an increase in return on investment and uh, the satisfaction of being able to do it and understand it. Because for me, it's it's been very overwhelming. Um, and it's kind of like the, the good old boys sports still. Like, there's not a lot of girls out there that are like, I'm reloading ammo this weekend. And there's, there's a few, especially in the competitive world, there are some ladies that are really very good at it. And I mean, I've got some friends that are fantastic and are very um, precise with their reloading technique. And it's just something that's been like a foreign language. And, and I figure I better step up and start learning. And um, it's, it's just good to it's just good to learn. The more you learn, the, the better you are all the way around. hundred percent. I remember, you know, growing up and then getting a job here and, and reloading a lot that at first it was you were reloading to make better performance for your rifle. And I feel like in the last few years, certainly within the last five years, let's say, right when we released the Precision Hunter line of ammunition and our, our, you know, we kind of rebranded our ELD match, our match line of ammo, I reload basically to duplicate the factory. Mm -hmm. That, that, that's really been kind of an interesting trend to see shift. Um, You know, there are some instances where you have cartridges that aren't maybe, aren't maybe as uh, thoughtfully designed. They have some right. poor design attributes um, that you can mitigate 
by hand loading for. You can increase the consistency or the accuracy by uh, by a, a well thought out hand load. But for cartridges that have a really well designed chamber that just lend themselves to good accuracy across the board, I'm reloading almost just to scratch the itch of like I know I reloaded this so it's got to be good versus mm -hmm. the same performance this just came from the factory box well yeah. and also 50 percent of your cost in reloading is brass so if you have the opportunity to take your factory once fired ammo or how you know in, in reload it I mm -hmm. mean you do have a cost savings once Absolutely. you get over the initial investment um, and it just you know lends itself to you being able to stockpile that stuff even more yeah well, <laughs> quote unquote right <laughs> the, uh, the the best saying is you'll never save money reloading but no. you'll shoot more for the that's same exa money exactly yeah, yeah and that's it that's that's key I love to shoot it is so fun yeah. it is and it's so addicting like I, I talk to people and they're like, oh, well, hunting is just so awesome. And I'm like, hunting is awesome. And I get so excited when I'm hunting. But when I walk up to a stage at a match, my body is like vibrating. Yeah. Like, yeah. It is such an Those adrenaline nerves. rush. And, it and is so the, fun. The internal pressure of yes. like, you know, wanting to perform up to your standards and then the unknown. And uh, yeah, that is, that is an, a unique feeling that you can, yeah, you get that same feeling when you have been glassing up this valley for three hours and then you finally see an antler you know in the weeds or something and it's like everything's electric yeah. you can kind of duplicate that feeling a little bit yeah. by doing some of these matches and the nrl hunter does a great job at that um just with you have to hunt your targets and yeah. it makes it a very exhilarating sport it's i mean it's it's truly dynamic and and it's i uh, man i really i I get jacked up and it's weird because I, I didn't shoot a lot as a kid and my dad's like, Oh, how'd you get so into gunning guns and hunting and stuff? But I, I mean, I'm into it and I, I really struggle with, um, there's a lot of firearms in optic packages you can now buy that you dial to 400 or you dial to whatever the range is. And it's, you know, all that data is set on such a limited, um, or specific set of variables. And I really love the freedom that learning has, given me if nothing more than I can take any bullet and put it with my rifle and I can switch out bullet weights and I can switch out ammo and I know in a matter of minutes I can get my data and I can configure that and I can be on target in a very short period of time and that's really empowering I don't have to go cut a new turret and send in to have some guy that knows ballistics better than me figure it out for me and it's really nice to just be able to say well you know I went to the the store and I got a 300 win mag on my hunt and they're out of 200 grains but they got 180s so I'm just going to run this across my magneto speed and uh, just get data and 15 minutes and it doesn't matter I'll yeah. buy what the store whether has you're, whether right? you're in California or Colorado yeah you know that's you, right the variables are going to change doesn't and you're going to account for them yeah it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and that's the that's the great thing like, you know, ballistic software has done for everyone. And you guys are doing with Ford off um, incredible things where, you know, Doppler radar is really tracking yeah. the full bullet path and making it to where we can really understand what's happening in flight. And, um, and, and not that I understand it to the level that you guys understand it. I understand it enough to where I can do my basic data and feel comfortable stepping into the field and like if I have a deer at distance or an elk at distance, I'm very comfortable with my data where I can dial. And, you know, given the wind conditions are solid, I, 
have point of aim, point of impact accuracy and there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, the confidence I think is also worth its weight in gold. Yeah. Is that yeah, when you lay down on the gun and you can control your breathing and you can control your emotion and you know surgically you're gonna put that bullet exactly where you yeah. want it to go, that confidence is is paramount. And I think it's huge with technology advancing the way it is and you've got like you smart scopes and you've got, you know, stuff, you know, Bluetoothing a dot inside your scope for where you to hold. That's cool. Uh I just think there is a lot of value in knowing how it actually works. Yeah. If you want right. to use those, great, but you should also know how it actually works. Why that dot is where it is. Yeah. I'm so overwhelmed learning new technology. Like, I hate it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I have a system. This really works good for me, and I'm going to stick with it. And, like, this, a lot of this electronic stuff to me is very overwhelming. And, sure. And, you know, I want to make sure that, I, that I've trued that information and, like, that this is absolutely what it says. You know, when I pick up a rifle, the first thing I do before I go hunting is I zero it and take it straight to – I try to get 800 yards or a little bit farther if possible and true it. Mm-hmm. And then I go hunting because I can hunt with confidence everything else in. And and when I put guns away, I do the same thing. And some of those, some of those binoculars or whatever, th- you know, a lot of that stuff is like, okay, if I'm setting it up, that's, that's great. Then I'm going to trust it. But if somebody hands me something, I have a real problem with that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I just can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when there's a live animal at the other end of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If there's a live animal at the other end of it, you better know why your bullet's going where it's exactly. going. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and I, yeah, I I think that there's a lot of uh, a lot of good that comes from it. It's not hard to learn. It just takes a little time. And the resources are there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, and I think that's something that we've always tried to do at Hornady is is support Ford off, obviously, but but a lot of all of our reloading tools, for example, on the YouTube side of stuff, on the social media side of stuff, where the information's out there, and then to compound that, if you have a question about Ford off, about our reloading tools, or anything hornady or in some cases i remember taking a lot of calls about stuff just gun and shooting related Mm -hmm. right call us up 800-338-3220 extension 3 that'll take you to tech there's a team of guys up there all of them hunt shoot reload and they'll be happy to walk you through stuff i remember getting calls on friday because other companies were closed yeah (laughs) they didn't have our product but they went ahead and called us anyway (laughs) well i have on my youtube channel pursue the wild um Katie Godfrey came out to my range and we set up a Kestrel is nuts and bolts with Ford off. So it is a 12 minute long video, <laughs> but it will walk you through exactly every step fundamentally that you need to do to get that working with whatever firearm you're shooting, whatever cartridge you're shooting. It, when it gives you step-by-step instructions, obviously you have to like follow the instructions for the data to be good. You know, what, what you put in is what you get out. Yep. If you put bad data in, your impacts are going to show it downrange. And um, obviously, there is some adjustment with that with your axial form factor on the backside. But good data in, good data, good out, data out, and that's what matters. Yep, 100%. I've always said that. You've always said that. That's what I've always you, said. You have to have good data to get good data back. Yeah. Yeah, that, and that goes without saying. Yeah, And then it becomes increasingly more uh, easy to see. Uh, when Ford off is telling you exactly, you know, we call it, we call it, or we've called it the ballistic lie detector because Ford off is correct. And if it's not correct, you did something wrong. Uh, whether that be muzzle velocity or zero angle or, or your atmospherics are off or your shooting angles off or whatever. Um, yeah. Using the power, uh, of the Doppler derived drag curves is, it's pretty, 
it's kind of cool to look kinda back on it. Kind of remarkable to think it about. It really is remarkable to think about. When, when I was a kid. Zoom out. You know, this is amazing. Yeah, I looked at the box still. Yeah. Like, if I zero this at 200, I'll only have to hold seven inches high at 300. <laughs> <laughs> and there's and a lot of people still out there doing way. that. There yeah. is a lot of people still doing that, yeah. But our app is totally free, so... People no are re- welcome to use it. Yeah, no excuse not to. And not only is it free, it just happens to be the best one out there. That's, right. And obviously, we've got a dog in the race. And of course, we're going to say that. But the reality is that other BC-driven ballistic solvers, they're not even in the same universe. And uh, yeah, that's that's something to hang your hat on. That's uh, not that we often give ourselves pats on the back or whatever, but um, this is a remarkable program. And I know we kind of tangentially took off on well, Ford off but anything before we wrap up anything any rapid fire Q&A um well keep us in the loop on how that ammo shoots yeah. I'm sure it's going to shoot great yeah after you get that new scope on it and then yeah hopefully this fall is full of oh. beautiful harvest with it yeah I'm well I'm gonna draw some good tags because you know as just moving to Wyoming we're cashing out our Oregon points and so Hopefully do, doing some antelope and deer in Oregon, maybe some archery elk, and then we'll pop over to Wyoming and hit. I've got, uh, I had four years worth of non-resident points for Wyoming, so my good luck would have it. I was just in the race to qualify for drawing non-resident tags, so I've got kind of the best of both worlds between Oregon and Wyoming this year, so I'm going to have some good public land hunts, and we'll we'll hunt. I drew elk. I don't know for sure on deer yet, but fingers crossed. Um so it it it's going to be a fun season. I'm um, really looking forward to to getting out in the woods and yeah, doing yeah. some hunting. Awesome. With hand loaded 143 LDXs. Yeah. It's going to be a great fall from the sounds of it. Plenty of tags lined up, some high quality hand loaded ammunition that you can, you know, rest assured that you put that amount of powder in there, you seeded that bullet and that's that's awesome. Well, so. we're going to have another phase to this too cuz I've got okay. a bench at home. I've got a setup. So now I'm going to take some of the information I learned over the last few days and go home and I'm going to build my own bench and probably document that as well and kind of show people like, hey, this is what I learned and this is how I'm going to manage my workflow and kind of have another segue into that um, and then the specifications of why I chose things. And um, so that'll be kind of the next fifth part. Yeah, kind of all encompassing. And quite honestly, not to go and rewind, but the whole workflow idea segment I was like, I'm not so sure about this. I'm so glad we did it. Yeah. Please look out for that, guys. There's a lot of, of interesting things to think about that I, I never thought about before we started. Yeah, which leads us into a good uh, a good thing that we need to talk about, which is if they want more of this information or they want more of your, your content, where do they find that? Where do our listeners go? Well, I encourage everybody to watch Carbon TV for uncensored hunting and shooting sports content. Yeah. Um, so my podcast airs there, my digital series, Pursuit the Wild. I've got five seasons airing there. I'm filming season six this year. My tips and tactics, I call them um, tips from the wild. Those are housed on YouTube and Facebook. I'm hoping to get those over on Carbon at some point. Um, but right now, that's where you can find that content or you can just go to my website which is pursuethewild.com and um, I've got everything under my video library there. Awesome. Well Christy can't thank you enough for taking the time to obviously come here and, and see our facilities and reload with Preston but yeah. to sit down and, and chat with us it's, it's yeah. much appreciated. Preston as always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. The pleasure is mine. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen thanks for tuning in on this episode of the Hornady podcast. We will catch you on the next one.